Introducing Mad Bad Ting, international DJ and founder of gender-fluid fashion label Trey Rache, worn by icons such as Lil Nas X and Billie Eilish. Welcome, Mad! <laughs> this is amazing. We are in Paris. I'm so thrilled to be with you and to talk about the trailblazing, groundbreaking work you're doing to kick off our talk. We will be getting into the intersection of sound and fashion and gender. Yes. But we're going to ease our topic. way. <laughs> but let's, yeah. Why is gender so important to you? And maybe we'll then go into fashion and sound and all mm -hmm. the other amazing kind of facets of MAD. I didn't really know that my work was going to be around gender until I went to art school. Everything that I was doing in art school always came back to making something that was like non-binary, making something that defied the binaries. Um, first it was like a jewelry line in college. Um, it was called Hen and it was like the first like unisex pronoun. I was like really young. I was like a freshman or sophomore or something. And it was really cool. Like I know Mac Miller Award in Vogue. Like Did you just say Mac Miller? <laughs> yes, Mac Miller Award in Vogue. <laughs> Crazy like, things happen. So me too. Me too. Like he is My daughter's in the room. Yeah. She's she's producing this podcast with us and she introduced <laughs> me to Mac Miller. So that's Amazing. crazy because yeah. he, the divine feminine. Yes. I mean, that's crazy. Okay. Yes. My biggest worry is how are we going to get in everything that you have to say and share in like amount of time of a podcast? This is maybe part one. I mean, there's always I, I guess because we're always like evolving and, and changing and growing every day. Like I feel like I have a new perspective on what I think is true and who I think I am. That's like life, like it's like this journey of uncovering and, and discovering and developing. That energy you're describing where you're, you feel turned on, right? Um, like that, mm -hmm. like you're like, wow. I, it's like hearing an amazing song. You wanna hear more. Who's this artist? What else did they do? So like, more. Like awe. Awe, yeah. yeah awe. And I think that that's not infused in at all our upbringing, you know, maybe, yeah. and so, and in our educations, like I know yeah. that I have all this potential. Right. I know I have all these ideas. I know I have so much to share. Mm. And you were like doing it across so many genres, right? Right, definitely multi-genre. Multi yeah, I, I guess maybe I was multi-genre because I was extremely eager, obsessed with proving my worth and proving that I was smart enough, I was capable, um, I was, as good or better than the boys that um, I was also obsessed with proving that I could be valued aside from how I looked. This was a huge part of my life. Um, yeah, so this sort of, <clears throat> oh, also a huge thing was proving that I didn't need anyone, that I didn't need anyone's help. This was, this has been a huge part of my existence. Um, I think a lot of it has been rooted in like, <clears throat> like my uh, my childhood relationship with my parents and like things like around that. So it's not just about like gender. There's some like family stuff that plays into that. But I think also as a woman, I didn't want to look like I needed your help to get anywhere, and I didn't want to look like I needed something to get somewhere because then I didn't want to lose the credibility that I did it. Like I needed to prove that I could do it. Like even going to college. I have to say that I obviously have interesting feelings about education in America specifically because of the costs and all this stuff, but um, yeah, and like I had to pay for my own school, me and my dad, so it was really challenging and we don't come from, from any wealth at all. And so 
I went to school and I took like student debt, student loans, like yeah. to pr literally to prove that I was worthy of being employed. Like that's it because everything I learned, I learned on the job because I had to work fully through college. So, you know, I did te technical design, like illustration, like waitressing. I did everything while I was going to school, which I was actually a horrible student. Like I was a C student <laughs> for sure, but that's because I was working more than I was able to go to school and I didn't care. I just like had to get the degree to, to prove that I was, I could sit at the table. And I was so worried about that. So you're saying so many profound things and I'll just like in hearing you, I just am hearing these themes in a way that are so fascinating because here it is, we're sitting in an amazing spot in Paris and uh, you're from Arizona, all right? Yeah. So like, just like one <laughs> premise there. You're like, you started in Arizona, yeah. we're in Paris. You live here in Paris. Yes, you are, I live here. Um, a global fashion brand. You're yeah. based, you know, in uh, London and Paris and LA, right? Yeah. Like it was, uh, yes, I lived in London and Los Angeles. Okay, so yeah. right, so, so already you're like such an incredible role model around, and again, folding in that you did not come from means, because I think so many people would think someone, it, these myths we have about yeah. success, mm. um, that it is um, dependent on connections or people that you know, like you probably had family connections or people that like mm. seed money or, mm. you know, when you're telling the story now about taking student loans and coming from Arizona and not coming from means and then becoming, as you have told me, and we could even talk about it, where you just uh, picked up and moved to Paris and you didn't know anyone here. No, and you, I and didn't. You, and you built a life here and you're on the verge of just congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. And the <laughs> birthday coming up and an engagement. This is exciting, but <laughs> yeah. there are just so many things that you're saying are, def and, and a, a background in sports. I mean, so, so and, and again, even when I think about your, having involvement with, with sports when you were younger, while you were also dabbling in major creativity around jewelry and then sound and fashion. Like mm. people would even say that's a bit of a in conflict. Like if you're in sports, yeah, you're, you're not, not creative. creative. Right. <clears throat> not at all. I, you know, my father was a professional athlete, played for the Kansas City Chiefs just for a short period in the 80s. Um, and then he was a football coach uh, my whole life. And um, he is one of the most creative people I know. He was like always inventing things when I was younger. He didn't really have the entrepreneurial, you know, uh, education to be able to make these inventions into businesses. But God, he invented games and he invented like this, uh, these different pieces of equipment for training football players. And and yeah, so he, he was really, creative and inventive and he he definitely was the one that instilled in me that like there's nothing that I can't do um as a woman first off he was the one that uh it, it wasn't like a like all you know butterflies and yeah. flowers the way that he taught me that um but yeah he never he never let me lose because of my femininity and I'm not saying that that's also right, but it is something that really shaped who I am. Um, 
and it could be part of why I am who I am today. Um, I remember being like at running camp when I was a little kid um, with the Arizona State football players. And me and my brother would go every year because my dad was coaching it. And um, we were both athletes. And I would always be last because I was the youngest and a girl, <laughs> you know. And um, my, my dad, and I'd always be like, Dad, like, you know, I can't not be last. Like, I'm a girl. Or I'd be like, I'm on my period. And my dad would be like, I literally do not care. Like, this is not an excuse. Like, I don't want to see you be last. So this was definitely the theme of my of my upbringing. So it influenced me a lot. And my dad was also, on the other hand, even though he was so sort of strict around competition and, and athleticism, he was one that, that encouraged me to become an artist because he saw that I was staying up late drawing and I was in my math classes. I was not doing my, my assignments. I was drawing in my books and my dad was the one that encouraged me. He thought I was so talented at drawing and that's where it all started. And Interesting. Yeah, so he was like the one that was like, you can do everything, you can do this, like go, go do it. So I think that also <laughs> is, is dispels a lot of myths, again, that, um, that in this realm of sports, that you would find yourself being successful and your dad being so successful and then still supporting you on your own path, doing something different. You know, mm. I guess he had that creativity inside of him mm. as well and he related to it. Mm. But I think a lot of times in there's like family unit or whether it's your community unit and there's a certain path to follow. And when you start to go on a different path, you can meet a lot of resistance, you know, yeah. and that is, you know, can make it much more difficult to feel that like, okay, I can take this risk, you yeah. know? Yeah, that is true. I think a lot of parents um, are not encouraging enough, you know, for their children. They see like one vision of how their child should be, how the child should end up. And I think it also, I mean, it has to do with love and not wanting the child to fail or get hurt. When I moved to LA, my mom was like so upset, you know, and she was really not into it. And it's because I was 17 or 18 and yeah. I was living in downtown LA all by myself and I didn't know anyone or anything. And like, that's frightening for a parent. So I understand also. Were you frightened though? Cause I no. think you taught, right. I think that no. was something that's another interesting thing that uh, I think that also relates to knowing yourself that, you know, that you felt comfortable to move to LA probably eventually led to you feel comfortable to build a new life in Paris. Like, you know, like building that like muscle in mm. a way to go and, because mm. that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Either way, Arizona and LA or LA winding up in Paris. I mean, this is, these are not easy leaps. They're not easy leaps, but they were easy for me. And I'll mm. tell you why. It's got nothing to do with knowing myself because I have never known myself <laughs> better than I know myself today. Okay. Um, and you today I, I'm not interested in moving to a new place right now, and I've never known myself more. Um, it was running from uh. things. It was cr craving new things to figure out who I am. That's mm. what it was. Mm -hmm. I was like, first running from a broken home, then running after possibility of who I could become, running after like uh, a dream running so I didn't have to stop and think about 
you know, what I was running from. I think that's part of it. I think sometimes in life you're just like running so you don't have to stop. I think this is, and I think it's a big thing with people that, that become successful. I think that that happens a lot. I think that they're just running away from something, running to something, and they're like right. filling yeah. a void with, with work, yeah. you know, and with success. And, and um, so, yeah, so I, I'm happy that people think that it's because I know myself, but I'm gonna tell you it's not. <laughs> okay. So I can disagree. I, 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 don't, I don't think that we're disagreeing, but I think that we are, I think it was the journey to know yourself in a way, yeah. like that you were willing to take risks, you were willing to go outside a comfort zone, you were, you were in a process. Like some people mm -hmm. aren't even in that process. Right. At all. Right, sure. I do have unwavering confidence that I can do it. That's helpful. I blame my <laughs> astrology sign. Okay, what is it? Aries. Okay. I blame, Okay. <laughs> I blame that. But yeah, but I'm actually not like, as confident as people think I am, I do struggle with like a lot of things. Like I've carried a lot of shame in my life. I've, I struggle with like per perfectionism. Uh, I struggle with like a lot of things that, that people pleasing, huge one for me, yeah. people pleasing, despite what people think, I, I really struggle with people pleasing. And I'm gonna say struggled because I, I'm actually, I'm over this, this phase in my life, which is awesome. Um, so, but I do have this like unwavering confidence that I can do it. But it's funny because I think that confidence is linked to not being enough. And I know that this makes no sense when I say it out loud. It's like, you don't think that you're enough. So you have like unwavering confidence, but it was like not being enough that pushed me to have to prove constantly that I was enough. And it wasn't for anyone else. I needed to prove that I was enough for myself. Like so badly that no one could stop me. Everyone could tell me that Trirache wouldn't work. Everyone could tell me that I'm like this. Everyone could think that about me or this yeah. or that or whatever. And it didn't matter because I, I, need, I needed to, 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 to find my, my worthiness, you know? And the funniest part about gender and studying gender is that I didn't realize that I was obsessed with, with studying gender because I hated, like I told you, I hated my femininity. And so this I'm was- I'm so glad you said that out loud. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I think it's okay wanna, to Yeah, say. just like that's, I think that- I had a lot of internalized yeah. misogyny, I guess is what you could call it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, a lot of internalized misogyny and a lot of like hatred towards my femininity. And I think we talked about this before, but it's, it's all based around like what I learned about femininity. And I'm not saying that someone like, you know, sat down and told me these things about femininity. It's what I saw, you know. Well, I love this because you're you've been approaching sort of gender and its intersection with fashion and sound and I've been coming at it and I think we're about to get into it, so I'm excited. <laughs> uh, gender and media. Because mm. like you're saying, again we talked about it before that so what, what kind of role models do you see in women and that can, has effect on you? So what t how you see women in television shows, how you see women in um, all forms of media. Yeah. We internalize that and then yeah. we have different ideas of who we can be. So I think you had mentioned to me a little bit like that you had this idea of it being sort of you're either 
kind of being defined for by how you look yeah, or you're being defined sexualized sexualized or being a bit of a, a caregiver like Voila. you know these these yes. like those were the options those are the options <laughs> and those are not the options that I wanted especially growing up with men like my dad and my brother I wanted like to see the world I wanted to like discover everything I wanted to be free I wanted like I didn't want any of that you know and in, and that's also part of the reason why in my 20s I said yes to everything and I didn't do a lot of like heavy heavy dating I didn't have a lot of long-term relationships also because of this I didn't want to go into my 30s having spent time like becoming a caregiver or like fulfilling these these feminine feminine roles in society um, and then ending up in my late 30s or 40s being like who am I you know and I saw that kind of happen with my mom you know she really went down the caregiver and the, the mother route and when it you know my parents had a brutal divorce and my mom at in her late 30s early 40s I don't know the date exactly but I was nine and my yeah so my mom's late 30s she she had to completely start over like didn't have you know never never knew who she was outside of this domain yes and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that but from as her child experiencing this wow I was like no way am I gonna do that you know and this this affected a lot of decisions that I made um, in my life and and it's actually it's totally why I'm where I'm at in my life a lot of it was also from watching my mom's life experience the foundation for my career has been built on the belief that I have that masculinity and femininity have nothing to do with your sex and it has everything to do with um, the energies present in everyone and this is something that I spoke about at my first talk at ASU I think in 2019 and also at my second talk at ASU and I think it was 2021 um, and it's it's what Trey is about and because of my issues with my femininity, I've always approached it through a masculine framework. And, and yeah, that was because of my wounds and my pain and what I was going through. And now that I've healed a lot of my relationship with my femininity, the next step is for me to explore more about femininity and celebrate it and, and honor it and try to make space in business and art for femininity um so so yeah so th that could segue a bit to the yeah sneakers. the sneaker okay let's talk about these incredible because so we were talking about inspiration and femininity yeah and clearly I, to me i feel in this incredible sneaker drop that you're about to do with reebok that there is a vibe of femininity femininity here and it is we're heading into women's history month and yeah. i'd love to hear the backstory of the inspiration i love that you're talking about how art inspires you and i feel like it would be great to hear uh how these came to be and i know everyone's gonna be so excited yeah so um this is my fifth sneaker for reebok um it's this style is my favorite sneaker i've done for them so far and uh, the inspiration behind this sneaker uh, is Venus. This year um, is all about the planets for me. 
I'm studying the planets a lot and bringing them into my creative process along with femininity. And so I wanted to start um, the year looking at Venus. And when I made the mood board, it was about a year and a half ago and when I came up with the, the concept. And I was inspired by Botticelli's Birth of Venus. And I didn't really know why at the time. Sometimes when I'm doing things, um, I'm so deeply involved that I, I don't have perspective until the product is kind of finished. And then I'm able to formulate like why I was doing that. And I think it's because I have a very strong emotional attachment to Treyrache, which also makes it sometimes difficult to do the business because like I was telling uh, my fiance that Treyrache has been like the medicine that has helped me heal. So oh. through creating products and and doing this brand and having this vision and through the photo shoots and everything, yeah, it's really helped me understand myself and understand like the world. So this shoe, like I said, inspired by Botticelli, <clears throat> and as I've been uncovering more about him, I found so many things that align um, between him and I, and the first being that uh, his painting, The Birth of a Venus, was not just groundbreaking because there was a naked woman in it, but it was groundbreaking the way that he presented the naked woman. And what I didn't know, even after I did four years of art history, was that, I guess I knew it, but I didn't put it together. But before this painting, women were always nude in the form of shame. So like Dante's Inferno, the whores being, uh, I don't know why I said whores like that, the whores, <laughs> the whores being damned to hell, you know? Um, or whenever you see Eve, she is being seductive and manipulative and being kicked out of the garden and ruining Adam's life. Um, yeah, so it was always shame, shameful. And this was the first painting where the connotations of the female were like in celebration. Like it was about celebrating her body. It was like celebrating sexuality. Like it wasn't shameful. So this painting is really inspiring for me as I rediscover my femininity and I'm on this like sort of path for the next year or two or however long it takes for me to bring the value of femininity to the light and try to share that with corporations, fashion, music, business, friends, family. Like, um, I don't know if we've said this already, but I really did have such a bad view on femininity and I never, I never understood the strengths and the value that it has in the world. And I never realized that my vision for change, my vision to find meaning, my vision to find purpose was my femininity. That is feminine, you know? Being able to, to feel that something new needs to happen, your intuition. You know, masculinity, the reason why we all have both and we all need both is because masculinity is order. It's getting things done. Um, it's creating like kingdoms with ranks and da -da -da, you know and so you need that once you have a vision and you need to execute it but having a vision is inherently feminine like it because it's creating right like you you give birth it's creation and so uh, understanding Botticelli's birth of a Venus and understanding how women were viewed in art before <laughs> made me realize that women have been like the way that we have been presented has been through a lens of shame and 
I learned about, I don't know if I told you, but I learned about the, the pose that Venuses do, one hand on the breast, one hand on the pubic area. And if you translate what, like the name of this, uh, it's a Latin name called Venus Pabuca. If you translate it into English, it's literal translation is shame. So then once you realize that all of the sculpture informed the Renaissance paintings, which then informed, 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 and it brings us to pop culture today. Oh, it brings us to this conversation. Yeah. Which basically is saying, like, finding that we are enough, right? What did you, you started, like, this all was grounded in you not feeling enough. And yeah. And I think you're showing maybe a sneaker and paying admiration to, like, the history that women really were viewed as not enough and feeling yes. shameful and now saying you're really redefining that. Yes, and I think that it's sort of like my new mission. <laughs> I love that. I, I want people to value femininity for what it really is. So that's that's sort of the, the goal, the future of me yes. and my career. And I'm really excited. And we're honored that you came to chat with me. I'm yeah. honored. <laughs> and um, Visible Women is honored because this is, I think, at the, the ethos of everyone that's getting involved in this is sort of sharing that mission that mm. we can um, learn together, mm. you know, learn from each other. Mm. And we're beautiful, <laughs> uh, visionary, uh, uh, you know, speakers <laughs> that feel like very uh, prominent, that prominent feeling of proud femininity, you know, at, for men and women, which the is I think is that's like the cool, really coolest part yeah. is that all of your fashions are unisex and inclusive and yeah. you're saying, you know, this is, this is for all, this kind of conversation is for all. And yeah, and at first it was about proving that I had, I could be masculine and once I realized like, what I was saying was true, like, yeah, we can all be both, but mass and you have to still be feminine because it's important. It's like the yin and the yang, you yes. know? We all have both in us and it's very important to make space um, so that both can can shine and prosper. And, and um, yeah, so this shoe is a celebration of femininity and a celebration of me rediscovering it. And I think as a culture, I've been seeing so much lately about about this and I think as a culture everyone is realizing that as women we don't need to you know hide yeah right? we don't need to hide yeah we don't need hide. to hide yeah visibility yeah visible visibility okay yeah. thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today I feel like we have yes. <laughs> thank, thank you for so having me <laughs>